was the night before recording night and all through the house. Sinead and Ross were in a panic. Niall was a grouse. It's the Christmas episode, said Sinead with a sigh. It needs to be special or the ratings will die. I've got it, shouts Niall with a gleam in his eye. A story so special the listeners will cry. So settle in, film fans. It is the real take. Roll the titles there, Will. We've some Christmas magic to make. Sit down and grab a glass. Sinead Ross and Niall have made a podcast. It's the real take, breaking it down. Having fun and talking movies. Talking movies. Oh, uh, hello. I'm Jimmy Stewart. You might remember me as the alcoholic fantasist Elwood P. Dowd, a man who sees a six-foot-tall rabbit wherever he goes, from the 1950s movie Harvey, later remade as Donnie Darko. Or maybe L.B. Jeffries, the peeping Tom pervert photographer from Alfred Hitchcock's rear window. But many of you will know me best for my portrayal of suicidal embezzler George Bailey, in Frank Capra's chilling psychodrama, It's a Wonderful Life. But I'm not here to talk to you about how my many brutally realistic portrayals of men on the edge of sanity have gone down in cinema history. I want to tell you about another lost soul. Someone with a good heart. She may not be best friends with an invisible rabbit or constantly spy on her neighbors with a telephoto lens, as far as we know. But it just so happens that, like a certain suicidal embezzler, and again, I want to stress that as far as we know, she has not embezzled anything or certainly has not been caught doing any embezzlement. At this magical time of year, she might just need a helping hand and a reminder why it's a wonderful podcast. Our story begins up in the cloud. Hello, Joseph. Trouble? Yes, sir. Looks like we'll have to send someone down. Ah, yes. Tonight's the crucial night. You're right. We'll have to send someone down immediately. Whose turn is it? That's why I came to see you, sir. It's Clarence's turn again. Oh, Clarence. Hasn't got his wings yet, has he? We've passed him right along, because, you know, sir, he's got the IQ of a rabbit. Yes, but he's got the faith of a child. Simple. Joseph, send for Clarence. You sent for me, sir? Yes, Clarence. Someone down on Earth needs our help. Oh, splendid. Have they embezzled from their employer, or are they about to be found out? No. Worse. They're discouraged. At exactly 10.45pm Earth time, this person will be thinking seriously of throwing away my greatest gift. Oh, oh dear, oh dear. Their podcast? Well, sir, if I could accomplish this mission, I, I mean, uh, might I 
perhaps win my wings? I I've been waiting for over 200 years now, sir, and, well, to be honest, people are beginning to talk. Clarence, you do a good job with Sinead Brazel, and you'll get your wings. Oh, oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Now, let's take a look down there and see just how bad things have gotten. Sinead's just logging on to record this week's episode with her co-hosts, Ross and Niall. Hi, guys. How's things? Grand. Yeah, yeah, all good. Ready to get going. You alright there, Sinead? Sound a little down. Yeah, no, look, I'm just, oh, look, a bit frustrated, you know, just had a bit of a bad day at work. Did they find out about all your embezzling? What? No. No. So they didn't find out about your embezzling? No, there's no embezzling. I want to make that clear. There's no proven embezzling. It's just that here we are, you know, we're coming up to Christmas, maybe facing another escalation of this flipping lockdown because of Omicron. Ah, the deadliest of the Transformers. Voiced by Orson Welles in 1985's Transformers, the movie. Correct. And, you know, I'm looking at the latest analytics of the podcast. The last episode was only downloaded by five people. Wow, five. Well, that means after I downloaded it and you both downloaded it, two other people downloaded it. Actually, I downloaded it twice. Still, that's one listener. That's not the three of us. I know, but you know how we ask listeners to rate and review us wherever they get their podcasts? Well, <laughs> that one listener, FilmBuff91, commented and said, when it comes to film chat, the real take is really mediocre. And he spelt it R-E-E-L. For film fans, by film fans, what? Like every other film podcast out is not for film fans and by people who hate films. Three stars. Was it a Rocketman three stars or an Aladdin three stars? What's the difference? Like, you're missing the point. Here we are, slogging our guts out every single week to bring informed film commentary to the masses and no one appreciates us. What do you mean? I mean that sometimes, to be honest, sometimes I wish I'd never introduced you two on my award-winning radio show, The 11 to 1 Show, on LMFM, Monday to Friday, every week. And we'd never collaborated on excellent radio film review segment, Real Reviews, every Friday at quarter past 12. And even after Ross left the show and Niall took it over single-handedly and actually made it much better, according to a lot of listener feedback, that we didn't start Real Reviews Part 2, which is an early form of this podcast that would then become the real take. Look, in short, sometimes I wish this podcast had never been born. That's a fine thing to say. Oh my god. Uh, who are you? Well, I'm Clarence. I'm your podcast's guardian angel. Well, you look a bit like the kind of an angel this podcast would get. What happened to your wings, man? Well, I haven't won my wings yet. That's why I'm angel second class. I don't know whether I like it very much being seen around with an angel without any wings. Oh, well, I, I've got to earn them. And you'll help me, won't you? By letting me help you? Only one way you can help me, pal. You don't happen to have 8,000 podcast downloads on you, do you? Get us on Apple Top 10? Can you believe this guy, Ross? 
Noel? Oh, they can't hear me. In fact, you're the only one who can hear and see me. Dear me, no. I, I don't have 8,000 downloads, but maybe, just maybe, I have something even better. Talking movies. Yes, you are listening to The Real Take, the podcast by film fans for film fans. And don't forget to like and subscribe to The Real Take wherever you get your podcasts and never miss another episode. And it's Christmas! And Nile and Ross are here. How you doing, guys? Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, indeed. My God. Mm. Can't believe it. We're, we're, you know, at this time of year already and we're well over... 50 something episodes at this stage what are we on 55 <laughs> this 55? is 55 <gasps> this is yeah. fantastic yeah. yeah that is quite the achievement i'm very and we are we are also in a very precarious situation because our previous christmas episode we talked about every christmas movie ever <laughs> we did yes so we have nothing to talk about this this year <laughs> Which is very unlike us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is unlike us. But we actually do. We do have a lot to talk about because, oh, look, it's going to start already. I know, you know, we've we've had the Christmas cheer there, but I'm just going to be like Scrooge for a second because we are going to be talking about a remake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a fairly infamous remake as well. A very infamous remake. A remake of one of your favorite films i know i'm probably not as keen on it as you are because i think it's about a child psychopath the remake <gasps> is about a child psychopath. oh it is <laughs> yes without doubt. but it is it is that movie that it's it, it's played in every irish household at christmas right ah yes yeah oh yeah it's, it's played year. i would say worldwide at mm. christmas time in, in every household around the world it is of course we are talking about the 1990 film home alone the best christmas movie of all time and I'm going to argue this throughout the podcast. Um, but no, don't get me wrong. It's definitely, you know, it's one of those ones that I return to again and again. And I'm so delighted. And I know you think that I force my children to watch stuff. But both of my children adore this. Like Killian is obsessed with it. He just, he absolutely loves it. And I'm delighted about that because it's just fantastic. So, in 1990, uh, Chris, directed by Chris Columbus, produced and written by John Hughes. And just a little bit of background. I'm sure you guys have probably heard this story before, but uh, the inspiration for this movie came really from very ordinary, everyday kind of scenario when writer and producer John Hughes was preparing to go on holiday. Uh, so he says, I was going away on vacation, making a list of everything I didn't want to forget. And I thought, well, I better not forget my kids. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, what if I actually did leave my 10-year-old son at home? What would he do? And what uh, one what if led to another. And he took a break from packing, I'm sure much to his wife's disdain. And he wrote eight pages of notes that developed into the screenplay of, of Home Alone. And the rest is history, as they say. Um, and it's just, I mean... Oh, I'm sure everybody has seen Home Alone at this stage, but essentially it's a heartwarming tale of neglectful parenting, budding sadism <laughs> and the true meaning of Christmas. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this movie, interestingly enough, and I mean, when you look at it now, like it's in some ways, it's kind of hard to believe that it was produced on a really relatively modest budget, it received really mixed reviews when it was released, but it has remained a Christmas movie staple, you know, 
all of these years later. And I think its success speaks to the tremendous behind the camera talent um, that elevated this beyond just a kid's movie. Um, like the script was, you know, look, it's John Hughes at the end of the day. You know, what do we have to say about that great man? I mean, I don't think he churned out a, a bad script, you know. He is just kind of, what would you say, the, the granddad of iconic 80s movies. He really is. Um, and although, like if you think of it, Chris Columbus had only done... Uh, directed two two movies prior to Home Alone. One was your favourite, Niall, Adventures in Babysitting. Yeah, and, great movie. Yeah, and then a flop called The Heartbreak Hotel. But Oh, uh, I've seen that one as well, and that's a pretty good film too. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, apparently John Hughes was a fan of his work, so he sent... Um, uh, the Columbus the script first of all for National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation but yeah he he was on that for a while and then Chevy Chase yes didn't like him. he didn't like him no yeah. so they had this kind of Chevy Chase can be a difficult character yes yeah. yeah apparently he said um, uh, this is a uh, Columbus told Chicago Magazine. Uh, I went out with, uh, for dinner with Chevy T- Chase and uh, to, complete, to be completely honest, Chevy treated me like dirt, but I stuck it out and even went as far as to shoot seconds unit, collecting establishing shots and special sequences. Some of my shots of downtown Chicago were still in the movie. Then I had another meeting with him and it was worse. I called John and said, there's no way I can do this movie. I know I need to work, but I just can't do it with this guy. So that was the end of him being on that. But... Um, then, you know, obviously the relationship with John Hughes and uh, Chris Columbus was still there. And when he had the idea for Home Alone, he wanted him to to come on board with it. And I mean, it's just it's fantastic. I mean, it's essentially, uh, you know, the young Kevin gets left home alone as his family head off for a vacation in Paris. And um, he's left to his own devices and meanwhile two crooks, the wet bandits, uh, <laughs> Harry and Marv come in basically to try and rob the house and he sets all manner of booby traps to try and stop them and protect his house. And it's just this kind of, you know, like John Hughes's original idea, what would happen if a 10 year old was left at home alone and what what would happen if he came in contact with, with these robbers because that's what kids were afraid of in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> burglars coming to their house um so i have a, a little uh i know you love i love you love a top 10 scenario oh, uh, oh yes. i do oh yes you love it. i love to rate things so yeah. i know which is the best and which is the <laughs> well most. in fairness this is Absolutely. 10 reasons why home alone oh. is always and will always be a christmas classic so okay okay uh, and you have them in order of like which is the most important uh, I don't really I'm just going to throw okay. them out it's not so much a 10 list then it's not a top 10 it's a list of 10 things yes yeah a list of 10 things so like the, the the whole look of this is just it's like screaming Christmas from where it go not only do you have snow you've got the Christmassy colours of red and green you've got all the great Christmas, Christmas songs like Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas White Christmas Run Rudolph Run all of that and there's something just so festive, although slightly ominous, about John Williams' music. So you've got the lovely mm. chimes, the Christmas bells, uh, the strings, all of that. And then obviously when Harry and, and Marv enter the picture, you've got that kind of, uh, is it the oboe or the clarinet or something coming in? And it's got that great theme of, of uh, here's the bad guys, watch out kind of thing. Um, also, yeah, it's got, I mean, I love John Williams. Like he's, yeah. I think, the, the man for for film uh, scores and it does a great job of 
because it is a sad story. It's about yeah. a guy who's been left, a little kid who's been left home alone. Yeah. His, you know, and so it's to get that mix of, you know, joy because you can do whatever you like because there's no mm. parents around and also... But I'm a bit lonely because I mean, it's Christmas. This yeah. is it. Yeah. I defy anybody not to cry at candle in the window when he's going home on Christmas Eve and he's looking at everybody else hugging in the windows. I mean, seriously, poor Kevin. Um, plus the house on, is like, awesome. Right, right. I think it resonates <laughs> as an adult when you're watching it as well because you're like, oh, I can't wait to be grown up. I can do whatever I want and no one can tell me what to do. And then you grow up and you're like, oh my God, no one will tell me what to do. And I can do whatever I want. <laughs> the fear, the fear. Yeah. Um, it has... The house is it, amazing though. It is. The house is awesome. That's just mm. it on its own. That's just another point. Um, forget the wet bandits. Uncle Frank is one of the greatest Christmas villains ever. <laughs> I mean, what a turd of a human being yeah. he is. You know, he doesn't let Kevin watch movies. He's far too cheap to even pay for his own part of the pizza bill and he has the gall to call kevin a little jerk <laughs> yeah it's such an angry reaction i don't think i've ever had a relative bar parents given out to me in such a manner you little jerk do you know like, what i think i think we need to hear that. frank in, in all yeah. his glory there look what you did you little jerk do you know i mean like even the grinch you know his heart warmed over the course of the movie there is no warm in uncle frank's heart there really isn't maybe uncle frank just saw those you know the future serial killer that kevin McAllister would become <gasps> never i feel he helped. He went, if there was if there was to be one he helped in his formation certainly yes <laughs> okay <laughs> he definitely did uh you're gonna know what my my next one is the entire scene of the fictional movie angels with dirty faces uh keep the change you filthy animal i mean like need i say any more you know the it fantastic scene Absolutely it's so brilliant. great i think that i've met people who think it's a real film yes yeah, <laughs> yeah uh the family dynamic you know um people will relate to kevin because he has a horrific family let's just you know we've got uncle frank we've got his sisters and cousins who don't give a damn about him you know they're saying oh you're like what the french call les compédons you know all this like you know you've got buzz who won't let him in his room won't let him hang out with him you know uh, all this kind of stuff so you know of course you can you can't blame kevin for so here's a question now because i mean buzz is the enduring character i yes. think that everybody remembers do you think it's all buzz's fault if Buzz was kinder to Kevin, Kevin wouldn't be such a psycho. Interesting. Yeah. I Buzz think... is an older brother. I, yeah. I think it goes without saying that he has to, you know. He has to be a be bit of a... a he has to be a dick. Yeah. yeah. He's got to toughen Kevin up. Right. Yes. Well, I'm not sure if he has to do that. Like, older brothers are just dicks. Yeah. Sorry, Warren. And, and he, he is the biggest, horriblest dick in all of hey, this. Wait a minute. I've just realized I'm an older brother. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Look back through your, call up your sister and brother there. <laughs> see <laughs> yeah. see what, what woes they have against you. Um, oh, here. Oh, you know, over Christmas, certainly. That'll, yeah, that'll, that, that'll come out. It all comes out over the Christmas, I'm telling you. Uh, the moral lessons, you know, that's got a great moral at the, at the heart of this. You know, Christmas is the time of goodwill, you know, random acts of kindness, all that kind of stuff. We see that in um, John Candy's Gus when he offers um, Kevin's mom, Kate, a lift home. Uh, yeah. So there's a nice kind of Christmas spirit there. And can I just um, say as well, as a sub point, I love John Candy's movie. I always forget he's in it. And then when I yeah. watch it, I was like, oh yeah, John Candy's in yeah. this. Yeah, it's John Candy. He's, uh, and it's, great thing it's almost that. as if he, he stepped out of the set of uh, Trains, Planes <laughs> and Automobiles yeah. and just <laughs> wandered exactly into this did. one. 
Yeah. Uh, I think he was only on set for one day. He was out there for almost a full 24 hours. I think he was on there for like 23 hours shooting his thing. And he was only paid something like, oh, I don't know, like something just over 400 to $500. Um, he kind of just did it more as a, as a favor, as you said, as he was on set with use anyway. And um, he, his scenes in it are some of the most memorable i think no sorry i i said that wrong because i just said <laughs> i forget he's in the movie until i watch it but when you're watching it you they all his lines come back to you and he's so yeah. unbelievably quotable and charming yeah how could she have not have heard of the polka king of the midwest i mean seriously <laughs> um also in a kind of you know very weird way the kid the film teaches kids the importance of really not judging a person by their appearance because of old man marley you know or what else is he called the the south bend shovel slayer uh he he's just a misunderstood soul do you know what i mean but i still think he is a bit little bit touchy to me, he sounds like he sounds like um, Daniel Day Lewis in "There Will Be Blood." If he had grown to be an old man, and kept yeah. the same voice. Yes, I love his voice in that movie. He's such He's an fantastic. old school American voice. Yeah, and I do. I, I, I have I have retired to the suburbs of Chicago after my days as an oil man. Except and I've that moved guy. In. W- he actually, Kevin would, he actually would murder people. He would. <laughs> he would. He would. Yeah, he, with a bowling pill, pin, <clears throat> or a shovel. And you know, at the end, when he finally reunites with his granddaughter and his son, I mean, seriously, misty eyes. You know what I mean? Absolutely brilliant. Uh, the timeless quotes. I made my family disappear. <laughs> you guys give up or are you thirsty for more? Oh, yes. Why the hell are you dressed like a chicken? <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, come on, the wet bandits. I mean, could there be two burglars that are just completely hilarious double act i think that just the most brilliant double act i think in 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 film history i'm gonna say you've got scheming harry joe pesci and they just work he works so so brilliantly alongside um daniel stern as marv and they're just the two of them are fantastic uh marv also has the greatest scream in the entire world oh fantastic that's just okay. another uh, on my top 10 list uh, all the cool stuff kevin gets to do hello he eats ice cream for breakfast he sets off fireworks he uses an air rifle watches anything he wants on tv he takes his sled down the stairs which my son tried to do in a box before i caught him <laughs> um and had to try and tell him that no no this is real life gonna die if you do this um, and last but not least the pain so so much pain you know oh i mean harry gets like put on fire that many times uh marv gets um the nail in the foot i mean that's all oh, really that he sa- needs it's horrific the sound effect they used for that is is it <laughs> it's the paint can for me the paint can oh the paint like, can yeah. yeah so much pain and you know it it just it's it, at the very end when kevin and his mom are reunited it's just oh my god there, nothing compares to that moment it is just brilliant it really is and i think it's one of those moments even before i became a mom myself even as a kid it just stuck with me because all you want is your mom when anything is going wrong and like so much goes wrong for Kevin and he's all alone and it's just this kind of really amazing moment at the end where they reunite and all is forgiven and they have Christmas and it's amazing and they just get on with each other and I'm sure about two minutes after the credits roll (laughs) Buzz is probably killing Kevin but you know 
<laughs> it's like it's it's all good so there you go that's my little rundown of top uh, 10 things that i love about this movie okay well that that's very good and i know like i say i'm probably the least fan of this film and i wonder is it because i was i was kind of not in the age like i would have been 15 when it came out and it was just a little bit kiddie do you know what i mean mm. and i was mm-hmm. just a bit too school too cool to enjoy something like that um and uh it's interesting kind of what you say because like we talked about john hughes on on the podcast before because i know you're a big fan and this is i think the bridge between his like or certainly if not this one then uncle book would be the bridge between his teen stuff and his family stuff i guess which this Mm. is the best example of i suppose and of, of course i think Macaulay Culkin in Uncle Book was the re- like he he's one of the reasons this film got made because mm. if you don't and we'll be talking about some of the other some of yeah. the other films <laughs> in the franchise if you don't have somebody like him in yeah. that main part it's not really going to work is it that's the thing I mean it's you know he has this like I mean if you think of it like he's such an amazing actor he can do this really kind of spoiled brat bit uh, mm. and I definitely don't think he's as spoiled as the other guy that we're going to talk about um, he can do this really like kind of funny stuff he's a great comedy actor you know mm. as well he can he's he's fully in there with all the slapstick moments with the guys um, you know he can really deliver a line and he just looks like a little cherub like do you know what I mean mm. like butter it's wouldn't a, it's melt a kind of, a of thing though, isn't it uh-huh. Have a responsibility to put on such young shoulders this to shoulder is, yeah. the, a movie like this for like an hour and a half at such a young age and he mm. does it you don't even think for a second oh isn't that kid doing a good job because you're so uh, you, you believe his character you so believe completely. the character yeah. yeah yeah he is kevin and i i'm not sure i mean it, it i mean I, I haven't looked into the kind of making of it but it seems like they were all having a great time yeah I don't know, but you know, maybe maybe Joe Pesci would be going. No, it was a terrible experience that I never wanted to do it again. But obviously, they want they wanted to come back for the second yeah. one, so they must have yeah. enjoyed it. There you go. Strangely enough, it was a, with Joe Pesci. Just in mind, this was released in um, nineteen ninety, which is the same year Goodfellas was released as well. <laughs> um, oh, that's so crazy. it's weird that we're getting that is crazy. two very different sides to Joe Pesci in one year. Yeah. Yeah, that is mad. And, you know, one of the other things, and it was only recently that I sort of thought about this when I was watching it for the gazillionth time, um, like they thought about every single shot. That's why, you know, I, I prefaced the whole thing by talking about the, the tremendous talent behind the, the camera, you know, because this is the point of view of this whole movie is Kevin's. So you have the height of the camera was lower than normal, you know, everything looks bigger the lights were made a little brighter apparently as well everything was kind of just kicked up a notch and it's like it really just kind of emphasizing that whole point that this is kevin's world that we've entered and this is kind of we're going to see the entire movie through his eyes uh, which i just thought was a really cool um just added thing to do and really i've only kind of appreciated it 
now from looking yeah. back at it uh you know and again i know that this is kind of the, the point of this episode and i know you've mentioned this before but essentially this movie home alone is a wonderful life in reverse because everybody in kevin's life realizes kevin's worth even though he's known it all along <laughs> you know it's not the other way round sort of thing um so i just loved that about it as well and it's just it's I just think you can switch this on for me you can switch this on at any time at any point in the movie and you'll just want to watch it you won't want to switch away from it that's that's my experience of it everyone like it's the kind of one that no matter who is in the house you know it could be you know if you're looking up like grandparents or it could be the very youngest kids the oldest to the youngest and everyone in between could sit down and watch this movie and enjoy it especially at christmas yeah absolutely yeah um, a, a few practical questions here, first of all. Okay. Um, what do you think the McAllisters, where do they have, where do they get their money? What does Mr. McAllister do? Or, well, it's yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, that house is massive. He has to be a stockbroker or something. A stock, okay, something like that. Mm. And then. Uh, what, hang on a minute now, let's back up a notch now. Are yeah. you saying that Kate McAllister is the stay at home mom? No, 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 no. She definitely doesn't I'm give not... off that vibe. No, no, I'm no, sure she has a, a they, fantastic... They, it is a big family, though, that they there's yeah. a lot of responsibility there as well. No, but so. don't forget, the cousins... So, Kevin has Buzz, he has... I know he has, like, a large-ish family. Two sisters. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry, is that... Or is that yeah, because don't forget, the older ones are there because they are still going to school in Chicago, right. even though their parents have moved to France. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then this is the other thing. Like, so why are they going to France for Christmas? And I know probably I've not Kate watched Kate tells us. She tells us. She says, okay. you know, because uh, the, her brother has moved out there and because they are looking at, out for the kids there, her, his kids, she, he's flying everybody to Paris as kind of a treat. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. And where does yeah. he get his money? This is... Well, you see, he has a house in Paris and he has a house in New York, doesn't he? The same guy. Right. Okay. Yeah. The second film. And yeah. um, have you ever been away for Christmas? My question to both of you. As in abroad? I... Well, just like not at home. It's just weird, I guess. Um, it's something, I guess, uh, in America people do. You know, mm. they travel mm. at Christmas. And some people here do as well. Um, I could imagine going somewhere if... sunny, you know. Um, you could, like, which, like <coughs> I couldn't. I know. I, I know. In, yeah, I, yeah. And I know in the second movie they're going to Miami. It ends up being a washout anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but no, I couldn't imagine. A lot of people go to you know somewhere sunny. For, yeah, yeah. For Christmas, yeah. I couldn't imagine doing that. Um, no, you, know, you need to have the Christmas is... vibes going on. No, yeah. this is it's it's kind of an unusual thing for us. But um, ever since, so basically from birth up until I was twenty one. I went to Cork to my Nana's house where my mom is from and right. we never had Christmas in our house in, in Drogheda at all. Like, so for us, Christmas was uh, Newcastle and Blarney kind of thing in yeah, Cork. Yeah. And that was kind of, and then when I had Dirin, we stayed at home in, in Drogheda for the first Christmas ever. It was So there, it's, it's mad that we never, because I suppose the rest of the time we were in Drogheda, my mum was like, I need to get back to the to the motherland, and you know. Which, uh, what year did you forget, Darren? You went to court. We said you wouldn't talk yeah. about that one, Niall. Come on. I was the exact same as you. Uh, my childhood was, um, my family are Cork as well. So I used to spend um, every, every, you know, every childhood down in Cork, alternating between my, my grandparents' house um strangely enough so mm. I, I didn't spend a christmas in Jordan until i was quite old yeah yeah there you go 
How about yourself, Niall? Were you always around Drada? Uh, yeah, usually. And then, uh, I'm not sure, I must have been 17 or 18. I went and I had a pen pal, a girlfriend Ooh. from Ooh. the US. And I went and spent Christmas with her one and year. Hold on, you were writing You were writing pen pals to a 17. You were writing saucy I, letters now, to a 17. I, I was also 17. <laughs> that doesn't make it any better. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big kind of... Thing so, to yeah. do though to it go was to the yeah yeah i'm not sure i think in retrospect it was a shitty thing for me to do <laughs> you know for my mother from my mother's point of view but uh i had a great time it was fantastic <laughs> did you stay with her family was it or yeah yeah i did yeah how do they feel about uh handsome irish stranger turning up at their door oh they loved Christmas it they, and it was yeah they were they were so welcoming i'm oh. sure they're not listening to this, but they were very, <laughs> very much more welcoming, I think, than any family should be to a 17-year-old boy <laughs> turning up and saying, hello, I'm going to be staying with you over Christmas. I just have in my head images of you arriving at a house the size of the McAllisters for some reason. I, that's just what I have in my head. It, I tell you, it wasn't far off. Now. It, was a, it was a farmhouse in... Uh, in Virginia, I think. Oh. And um, it was fantastic. Like, it was in, like, not the middle of nowhere, but there was land all around and they had animals and all stuff like that. It was a, it was a very American Christmas. It was mm. lovely. Very good. Yeah. Wow. Now, why don't you let me show you just what the world would be like if your podcast had never been born? Where are we? Why, we're in Austin, Texas, the home of Joe Rogan Podcasting. And is that...? Why, yes, that's Ross. Because you never started the real take, Ross began his own film podcast about action movies, which was then taken over by podcast supremo Joe Rogan. Let's have a listen, shall we? Hey, hey there, Action fans, it's me, your boy, Ross Leahy, here with another episode of Hardcore Action, the podcast for action film fans by an action film fan. In today's episode, we're continuing our deep dive into the movies of Sensei Steven Seagal, God bless you, and finally deciding which of the great man's movies with the word kill in the title is the best. Will it be Contract to Kill, Driven to Kill, Out for a Kill, or Hard to Kill? We'll also be talking tight white vests, where to get them, and are they better paired with jeans or a combat trouser? And of course, as it's the final episode of the month, we'll once again be recommending the best protein powder supplements on the market, which will help you get swole as hell, brah. Steven Seagal? Tight white vests? Protein powder? What on earth has happened to Ross? Well, without your influence, Ross went down a different path. He's now the host of one of the most downloaded podcasts on the internet and has a lucrative career as a spokesman for horse medicine. But the Ross I knew was a, a charming, sweet soul who, yes, enjoyed the odd action film, but he also liked romantic comedies and reading out IMDb trivia as if he'd just thought of it. Well, because the real take had never been born, Ross travelled a different path. Before we get into it, I just want to remind everyone that my special guest next week is one of my all-time heroes and a man who I think is very misunderstood. You know what I mean. 
He's the star of one of my favourite films of all time. We're going to have him on to smoke some big cigars, talk about Lethal Weapon 5 and ask why women can't make action movies. Oh, Ross. You see, Sinead, for Ross, the real take saved him from a very dark path. I mean, yes, technically he's extremely wealthy and successful and now gets a chance to rub shoulders with some of his favourite film stars, but at what cost? Well, what about Niall? I'm sure he's still giving incisive film commentary, even without the podcast. Well, why don't we both go and see? Okay, so we've discussed the absolute classic that is Home Alone, the original from 1990, yes. but it's, I think, going to go downhill from now <laughs> on, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm interested what you uh, both think of the sequel. Uh, especially and then I think it is a, a certainly diminishing returns after that but yeah I think they had a, like I think there was a big risk when they were doing the sequel like how unlikely is it that so, such a similar circumstance will happen again and when he does get lost in New York how likely is it that uh, that Harry and Marv will have escaped prison and be in the exact same place at the exact same time blah de blah de blah all that notwithstanding I think it holds up really well I think it's a great sequel I would completely agree with you. I think that it's a fantastic idea. You know, again, the whole idea that the whole reason that Home Alone in the first place works is that everything is simple. Child gets left home alone. Burglars try to enter house to, to rob it. The end mm. kind of, yeah, you know. It's a real, it's a real elevator pitch. Like we've talked oh, about before. Totally. Like it totally in is. In one sentence, the, the, movie movie executive is going yes i'll buy that thank you very much absolutely and this you know i thought it was inspired to be honest you know you're moving the action uh to new york so in other words they've gotten a hefty paycheck out of it um and you know this time as as we mentioned to earlier on the, the family are heading to miami um for the christmas vacation and again kind of kevin is getting into kind of hot water with his mom again it's kind of caused by buzz who's just a in fairness it is quite funny what he does to poor kevin uh but again he's sort of banished um you know to, to the attic or he storms off to the attic but he does in fact make it to the airport well done kevin but in the kind of panic that uh arises again because again they've slept in uh, like the first movie he ends up following um the wrong guy he thinks it's his dad and it's not it's a guy in the same coat and he ends up on the wrong flight and lands in new york but he is unfazed by this because it's kevin so he decides to have a little tour of new york city but he does run into the wet bandits that are now known as the sticky bandits and they plan to knock off a toy sh- uh, store owned by the most adorable old man called Duncan <laughs> and um, all Kevin you see knows that all of the takings from Christmas Eve are going to go directly to the children's hospital because um, Mr Duncan is just such a gorgeous man with a twinkle in his eye <laughs> uh, so he wants to help all the poor sick children and the sticky bandits plan on robbing the shop so Kevin of course has to stop them which he does again uh, you know he really ranks up the the, the pranks because this time he has his uncle's house that's being really like really renovated can we just say like this house is gutted like Jesus mm. what are they doing you know <laughs> his holes in the ground and all sorts of stuff um, but again like you know could a movie like Home Alone be, be ranked up another notch 
yes, it can. And, yeah. you know, not only do you have the guys, you know, again, fumbling their way through all of these traps, but you have the Kevin trying to dupe the, the hotel staff into thinking that his dad is there with him all along and that he's not just, just a child renting out the penthouse suite in the in the plaza hotel or wherever he is. Um, I just think it's fantastic. And again, the, the amazing, you know, Angels with Dirty Souls movie comes back again and he uses this to great effect um, where he's trying to fool the the hotel staff um as to you know what's going on in the hotel room really kind of thing it's fantastic it really is and again you know what have you got you've got all the same cast have come back and you've got a great storyline uh so it works you know mm. you've also got uh two great additions I think, yes to mm. the cast in tim curry who's mm-hmm. fantastic as the i think he's the hotel manager isn't he yeah. in that and um, Brenda Fricker then yes, as a kind of, of a magical, mystical pigeon lady. Well, and she's then one, the old Marley of this one, isn't she? She is in this mm. one, is, yeah. yeah. And then one other addition to the cast that is not so fantastic, which is, of course, Donald J. Trump playing himself <laughs> in this film, uh, which, uh, yeah, it kind of puts a, a, you know, not to get political. I, th- but, I yeah. think you're weird. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> Were you filming in a Trump hotel, or am I mistaken? Is that yes. where you got involved? It's Trump is that Plaza, what it was? isn't it? It's right. Trump Plaza. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I think there was calls for having that scene removed or having him cut out of it. <laughs> Excise. I know Cancel that culture. He, well, he, uh, the, the Actors Guild of America or one of the actors' unions were saying that he should be removed because he's not paid his dues or something like that. There is a story there that somebody on Google can Google and look it up now and see why Trump, <laughs> Trump should be cut out of Hogan's who lost I'm no fan York. of Trump, but I still don't agree with cutting him out of a movie just because yeah, you don't like him. I'm, <laughs> I'm, know. I'm kind of with you. Well, I, I mean, no, but I, I mean, I stand by it. If he's not paying his dues, then, you know, <laughs> if he's not, uh, if he's not in but the union, get rid it, of him. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that could be it. That could be it. Mm. I'll tell yeah. you now what's going on. Hang on. People want to mate. I think it's just people generally want to mate. Okay. Uh, yeah, the fans are calling for him to be removed from the film's beloved sequel. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, oh, in December, uh, Home Alone 2 director Chris Columbus claimed Trump forced his way into the movie as a condition oh. for letting them film in the plaza. We wanted to shoot in the lobby. We couldn't rebuild the plaza on a sound stage. And um, essentially, they, they needed this you know they needed his his uh, lobby um so he said uh we paid the fee but he also said the only way you can use the plaza is if i'm in the movie movie so we agreed when we screened it for the first time the oddest thing happened happened people cheered when trump showed up on the screen <laughs> columbus said so i said to my editor leave him in the movie it's a moment for the audience but he did bully his way into the movie no shit <laughs> trump a bully Oh, surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um, no, I've, I've, I've done a bit of Googling there while, while you were looking that up. And <laughs> it is to do with his resignation from the US Actors Union SAG, the Screen Actors Guild. So he wrote a very long and verbose letter of resignation from SAG after uh, he was a member for more than 30 years, <coughs> as he had been 
in TV shows and films oh, prior yeah. to being in uh, becoming the president. And, the only American um, president to get a Stone Cold Stunner on the on <coughs> w, at WWE and have a mass, match at WrestleMania, apparently. Right, there we go. Are you sure yeah. now that FDR didn't do that back in the 40s? <laughs> he seems like a man who, yeah, he seems like yeah. a man who would. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised Teddy hasn't been involved in at least one wrestling match. Well, maybe with a bear. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, that guy is just that guy yeah. is so bad. So <laughs> when when Trump sent his resignation letter, which he uh, was posted on on the union website, he did bring up his cameo in 1992's Home Alone 2, um, and said, "I write to you today regarding the so-called disciplinary committee hearing, which I guess this was um, the kind of people calling for him to be." taking out to, to revoke his, his membership mm. and um, he says I'm not familiar I'm not familiar with your work this is to the union president Gabriel Catiris who was the star of Beverly Hills 90210 yeah. and he said I'm not familiar with your work I'm very proud of my work on movies such oh. as Home Alone 2 Zoolander and Wall Street Money Never Sleeps the television shows I've been in including Fresh Prince of Bel-Air Saturday Night Live and of course one of the most successful shows in television history The Apprentice to name but a few so I mean he is a he's a man of great grace I think we can oh, all yeah. agree isn't he <laughs> but um, I think his, his cameo doesn't spoil the movie at all I know it's no, it, it, like no. it's really short as well and yeah. it's a good like, talking point as well like yeah. you know you're talking about the pre- like a, a former president of the United States who cameos and I think it's I think it's I'd say leave it in i think it's great. actually it we it could have done with more trump oh well no, that's too far too far if you joined the wet bandits it would have been fun maybe. <laughs> i'd love to see him get smacked in the face with a paint oh can. Yes. yes okay that that's i'm all there for that that scenario um but then things take a really bad turn don't they because i don't think i've really i know the, a little bit about the scenario of home alone three but i definitely don't know a thing about the fourth and fifth is there well, yes. I mean, if you if you are the Macaulay Culkin of this podcast, Sinead, mm-hmm. myself and Ross are the wet bandits. And yeah. Ross has quite graciously taken the paint can to the face. <laughs> the, he's slipped <laughs> down the micro machines. He's got the, the I don't know what else. Happens. The blowtorch. He's got a, a blowtorch. He's got an, a hot <laughs> iron. Is there a hot iron? At there some is, stage? yeah. Yeah. There uh, is. And he's, he's basically taken all of the pratfalls by watching... Have you you've watched all of the sequels? Yep. I've watched all, all the sequels. Uh, I've watched all the sequels. It was an God interesting week. God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't want to do that again. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, to get into to the kind of ones that followed on from it. So Home Alone, we obviously had in 1990, and then they kind of struck while the iron was hot. Um, really, excuse <laughs> uh, with Home Alone two, Lost in New York in 1992, which was great. Like to, just like to to, to get you, but it makes it like it was like, do you know the way Terminator was like a small movie, a small story, yeah. and then mm. in the second one they they ramped it up so it was a bigger story. Same thing happened with Alien and Aliens. I feel the same thing happened with Home Alone, but then the you know then it, just where do you bring the story it's hard to know what to do next and, and you're um, you're a lead actor as well is getting to an age where it's not so cute anymore yeah you know what i mean exactly yeah, yeah exactly and he opted out of um there was kind of there was plans for him to star in home alone tree but macaulay culkin he was kind of yeah as you said he's getting too old for it and he didn't want to reprise his role as kevin he want to move on to other things which is fair enough 
Um, and I think John Hughes, who 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 wrote who wrote and produced the movie, um, had considered um, writing a screenplay with with Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern reprising the roles. And I think he had in mind um, having um, Kevin Kevin McAllister's cousin Fuller, who was played by um, Macaulay Culkin's real life brother Kieran uh, uh, Culkin. Um, he was had in mind of him being the new main character. Um, but Kieran didn't want to obviously follow in his his brother's footsteps. He felt he couldn't kind of live up to that hype, which I think is a, f- a fair enough point as well. Mm. So is he the actor? Is he in Succession he at is. the moment? Yeah, he's fantastic yes. in Succession. <coughs> he really is. If you've not been watching Succession, I know we're a, we're a movie podcast, but uh, mm. it's a and brilliant actually, TV show. Yeah, it is, and it and he's actually in a good few kind of under the radar indie movies, and he's fantastic. Mm. Yeah. yeah, he's actually had a much more successful kind of career as an adult um, than than Macaulay as well. Do you know, so he's still t- tipping away, which is which which is great to see. Uh, I'm kind of glad he didn't. I feel like it would have been maybe going over the similar ground if 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 they continued on with him and that. Well, th- that um, family would need to have ser- serious social welfare like intervention. If oh, it's yeah. like it's first of all it's Kevin and then it's his cousin and you yeah. Know, you got to go, yeah. hang on a second, we're just going to take all these kids and take them yeah. away from you. <laughs> yeah, you keep forgetting yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, as as unlikely as the second one was, if they started going for after his cousin, you know, it just would have been completely ridiculous uh, to think that they escaped from jail again even. Um, <laughs> so Christopher Columbus, or Chris Columbus, who, um, who directed the first two movies, John Hughes approached him about coming on for the third installment. Columbus didn't really want to do it, um... You know, he, uh, he he didn't like the idea of starting again with a new cast, and he he suggested to John Hughes, look, why don't you why don't you um, approach a kind of a um, r- approach a kind of a new director, um, someone who hasn't maybe directed before. So they approached Raja Gosnell, who at that point was he was. I suppose known for editing the first two movies and he was given the job I think it's in the same way Christopher Columbus was given his job at the time in 1990 as directing it and I think he wanted to kind of pass the mantle on that way um, so Raja Gosnell went on to direct it uh, and since then he's went on to direct a, a number of movies Never Been Kissed a big Mama's House Scooby-Doo oh. and, and a bunch of the I'd say you're a big fan like of that. Never Been Kissed are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh no God. no no I mean I, seriously like I mean I, I'm not a big fan of rom-coms but I remember watching that going that's a good rom-com I don't know, even at the time, and I watched it when I was quite young, even when right. at the time I was like, well, first of all, I know she's not an actual high school student, but <laughs> the fact that he thinks she is yeah. and acts that way. Makes it, it just, creepy. Like, even as a child, I was watching and going, ooh, that's inappropriate, you know? Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, did you did you enjoy it? I liked it, yeah. And I think I even bought the soundtrack. It's got some rocking 90s tunes on there. Oh great, great! Uh, I I can imagine I can imagine she has hair clips and writes in a little notebook in it. So I must I, I say if you're looking for nineteen, there's a I think we should do a spotlight a spotlight episode. On it see, see if it holds up or not. The New Year season's yeah. writing itself yeah. here. Yeah. There we go. We, we, yeah, we, <laughs> we could start with a bang. Um, so the that's one um, of the tracks on the soundtrack. <laughs> Fantastic. By the by, the lemon popsicles. Um, so yeah, so 1997, we're coming into Home Alone Three. So they decided, look, Macaulay Culkin's not coming back. The you know Daniel Stern's not coming back. Um, uh, Joe Pesci's not coming back. Let's just start over. Let's, uh, let's try it again. So the, the, instead of centering the you know 
you know, they didn't just recast another kid and call it Kevin McAllister, although they kind of did, if you think about it. And they, they got another um, kid to play a, a, new, a new character called Alex Pruitt. And um, they auditioned a whole bunch of kids, but they eventually landed on Alex D. Linz to play this role. And the, the character is maybe a little bit younger than Kevin McAllister in the first movie, um, but, um, but he, he kind of is very similar in a lot of ways, I would say. To give you a little bit of the plot, our four bad guys, instead of being thieves, they're actually four international spies who are working for, like, a North Korean terrorist group. And they... <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh my God. Talk about let's but make I, a convoluted thing. But I actually think it makes sense in this regard because, okay. like, it could be, you know, is it a chip they're looking for? Is it drugs? Is it money? Is it diamonds? It doesn't really matter. It's a chip in this situation, oh, okay. but it doesn't really matter. It's So, uh, basically, they hide a, chi- a microchip which works as a cloaking device for missiles. Again, it doesn't matter what it's for, you know, <laughs> said item. It's a MacGuffin, yeah. as, as uh, yeah. Hitchcock would say. Absolutely, yeah. So the MacGuffins, they hide it in a remote control car, but as they're going through an airport, there's a bit of a baggage mix-up, and it's taken away by Miss Mrs. Hess, which is the Pruitt's neighbour. Um, so she walks away with the remote control car with the microchip in it, and the burglars kind of follow her, follow her in her lead, and you know they basically track her down to the um, the kind of you know avenue or street or housing estate or whatever you'd call it in America, um, the street she lives on. They know the chip is in one of these houses, so they start systematically breaking into the houses to check them. All the while, um, across the across the street, we have um, little Alex Pruitt, who's kind of doing a bit of a rear window. He's staying at home <laughs> mostly because he has a chicken box, but he's kind of spying on his neighbours as well, and he sees what's going on. Is uh, it set at Christmas, Ross? It's not set at Christmas, and it's actually ah. the only film in the series not to be set at Christmas, yeah, right. interestingly enough. Um, it's it looks very Christmassy. There's still a lot of snow around snow, and stuff like that. Right, yeah. Um, but there's a scene uh, near the beginning where one of the um the terrorist group they're kind of talking to or they're they're trying to get information from a taxi driver and they mention it's like January eighth, so it's after oh, Christmas, okay. which kind okay. of takes the wind out of the sails because mm. I think part of the charm is is it, it being Christmas around Christmas. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But um, I think they actually made a really clever choice with what they decided to do with the plot. So this time, instead of having two bad guys, we have four bad guys and they're part of this kind of international spy uh, spy unit. So they're seen as being really professional whereas in the first movie they're kind of, um, you know, bumbling. kind of bum- mm. bumbling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, exactly. So um, I actually thought it was a very smart decision. It sounds, as you said, a little bit convoluted. But I think it it had a way of making this plot of this story make sense. Like it, it, it's a whole different element to it. Plus, we got we got a real um, wordy adversary to face off against our our hero kid. Um, he's not facing two idiots. He's facing four people who are really really well trained and uh, out to get him. So I think it was a really really good development and. You know, I was I was surprised by it as well because I was like, oh, here I go. I have to watch the <laughs> watch the the follow on from the Home Alone movies. But I was surprised. I was actually really enjoyed the movie. I was really really impressed. Um, I thought it was fantastic. It's not it's not as good as the first two movies, but I don't think that surprises anyone. But what I was surprised by it was how much I enjoyed it. Like it it really still holds up. The the child who's like he's 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 filling pretty big shoes, replacing Macaulay Culkin in the yeah. Home Alone series. 
Or but little shoes in this case. He's got yeah. Yeah, he got to be small yeah, enough to fit shoes. into little shoes. If if he was too big, he wouldn't <coughs> have the part. That's You've what aged with out. Macaulay. Yeah, absolutely. But he does a great job. He's charming. He's funny. He's kind of smart assy. He's I think he's brilliant in the role, um, which is it's, you know, but it's, get it's to the fireworks, Ross. Film. What about the pranks? What does he do to them? <laughs> They're not pranks. Puts, They're assaults. On <laughs> yeah, yeah. Serious assaults. He puts some true absolute hell. Um, a lot of the, the, the pranks are in the very same vein as the first movie. But one in particular, which just ugh, <laughs> got me. Um, was there's one where a guy pulls down a fair a, a pair of false uh, legs and a um uh, a lawnmower that's on oh. comes across his head and it just ugh, it's yeah it was actually i think it was taken from um an idea from the second movie or something that they never used but that's a particularly right. grisly one as well as that he gets very creative with the pool in the back garden uh, because everything's snowed over you can't see where the pool is only for the um i guess the bars where you walk in and out of the steps so he unscrews those and moves them around and the um our our villains uh thinking they're jumping onto somewhere quite safe end up jumping into a freezing cold pool in the middle of winter and stuff like that so there's some creative ones in there and i think the pranks are just as good um as as maybe the first maybe not as good but they they hold up Mm, certainly yeah so you um, would say if it's on, which it might be over Christmas, but I'm not sure. Um, you know, if it's on someday on TV, it's worth a watch. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, like, have you you guys have seen this movie? Have you? I've I'm seen not parts sure. of this. Yeah, I remember I the parts kids. of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember I that it also stars who you've yeah. not mentioned a yes. future major <laughs> movie star. It does. Um, do you do you want to take a? Do you know? Sinead? I know who it is. So Sinead, I, I, I don't. You do. Is it one of the bad guys? Is it? No, no. no it's, oh, okay. It's, it's, it's one of his siblings. No, I don't. I actually don't know. A future, a, a future Avenger, Sinead. Oh. Uh, Any ideas? Plays I... his sister. Oh, Scarlett oh. Johansson. It was. Ah, yeah, Scar- yes, yes, Scar- yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I do remember that. All right, yeah, she's the older Probably teenage one of sister. Our, mm. One of our first one, roles, I think. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't her. It wasn't exactly her absolute first movie, yeah. but I think it was the first one where she had kind of lines and it was a bit more, you know, a few lines okay. and it was more of a major part. And I actually uh, heard she was doing an interview with People Magazine uh, earlier this year, and she said she introduced her daughter to uh, to the movie they were like having a day of watching 90s movies and she mm. kind of put on the movie where saying it saying to her she was in it to see if mm. she'd recognize her she was 11 <laughs> at the time uh, in the film so that's quite a quite a nice uh, nice touch as well um but you know there's there's a load of things that i think are really really great about this movie um first of all it was actually roger ebert's favorite of the home alone movie, oh, oh my god yeah, yeah he hated the first two because he thinks uh kevin's too mm. sadistic he said right when, well i mean me and roger are often on the same yeah. wavelength <laughs> <laughs> well see if you'd agree with this he said when he was reviewing the movie um call me hard-hearted call me cynical but please don't call me if they make home alone tree these <laughs> words yeah well they, they were words from his review of home alone 2 yeah, yeah but yeah. he says i now have to eat my words to my astonishment i like the third home alone movie better than the first two i'm even even going as far as sorry i'm even going so far as to recommend it although not to grown-ups unless they're having a very silly day so that's quite high praise (laughs) yeah Yeah, Yeah, yeah. i wonder why he was so much in favor of this particular one 
I don't know, because it seems like he's just as cruel to the... Yeah. <laughs> <to> the... <laughs> you know, it's hard to know. I mean, look, I, I often think, um, you know, some of the movies that I'm very harsh about, I should rewatch and and mm. look at again, you know, because, mm. I mean, it, it to be honest with you, it doesn't sound like... It sounds like you enjoyed it, but it doesn't sound like it's doing anything particularly different or, no. in fact, it's, you know... it. I think the law of diminishing returns seems to be the case here. Home Alone is really good. Home Alone mm. 2, it's good, but it's not as good. And this one sounds like it's good, but it's not as good as the previous one. Mm. So, yes. you know, maybe he just mellow, was mellowing in his old age. Maybe so. <laughs> but a couple of things about this that I actually think it in, improved, well, not improved on, but it, it certainly was creative in how we thought about it, was um, it gave a really good answer to why didn't you just ring the cops? You know, yeah, which yeah, would yeah. have solved a lot of uh, Macaulay Culkin's problems in the first, you know, the first couple of movies. And they give it a really great answer to this movie. He does call the cops. He calls them twice, and of course, uh, as soon as the cops arrive, the T or not the thieves, the the spies of or, or the terrorist organization have kind of realized they're onto something and ran away. So it looks like he's making prank phone calls. So mm. he's told in no uncertain terms, "Don't ring the cops again." So mm. yeah. he's kind of out on his own. They won't believe him that Plus, sort of way. It just in Kevin's defense, once again, right? If he called the cops, do you not remember the cops from the first movie? They're too busy eating donuts and wrapping Christmas (laughs) presents. Like, they've no time for a child. Plus, the cop does go over and he gets frightened and goes under the bed because he thinks that it's the Oh, yes. No, no. We we all agree. We all agree it's an airtight plot. Yeah. Airtight. Come on now. But what a regard as well. it does show how silly adults can seem sometimes to kids yeah. as well, which is good too as well. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it's... Well, also, it, it like, I mean, you, you look at, say, like, the entire Harry Potter film franchise is based on mm. kids going uh, to adults, this is happening, and adults going, don't be so silly. Mm. You know what I mean? We yeah. don't believe it. Yeah. Even though we live in a magical world, we could, this couldn't possibly be happening, <laughs> and kids having to go off and do it themselves. But um, yeah. we, are, we are leaving the slightly firm ground of Home Alone 3 mm-hmm. which myself and Shade, Sinead um, have seen bits of mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. the absolute unknown of what comes next yes. <laughs> and I'd be surprised yes. if listeners would know more than we do so tell us yeah. tell us what, what's next well there is an interesting kind of jumping off point here as well because I did go to see Home Alone 3 in the cinema um, came out in 1997 but it would have been the last opportunity you would have had to see a Home Alone movie at the cinema because it was the last one to get a theatrical release. So moving on to Home Alone 4 now, it's called Home Alone 4, well, Home Alone Taking Back the House, Home Alone 4 Taking Back the House, and it came out in 2002. And the plot of this movie is the film, it returns, it brings back an old character, would you believe, from Home Alone 1 and 2, and that is Marv. Marv Merkins, oh. who was played oh. by Daniel Stern in the first two films. In this uh, in this instance, he's actually played by French Stewart, who you might know from... Oh, he's in a bunch of movies, but but you would probably oh, yeah. most like him from Third but Rock. But it, it's, not, it's exactly. not Daniel Stern. That's sacrilege. Yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. And actually, Daniel Stern was <coughs> um, was approached to reprise his role in this one, and he declined. Apparently, called it an insult or total garbage. <laughs> <laughs> So we have Marv back in, in in this movie. We don't have um we don't have Harry um 
Uh, Joe Pesci apparently wasn't offered the ro- role. I don't. I have a feeling he wouldn't take it anyway, um, yeah. especially with Macaulay Culkin and that wasn't involved. It, but he is mentioned by name by it, but it's in kind of implied he might be still. Yeah, he's still in prison, and um, yeah. So that, so we. So have is French... this a sorry, Ross? Is this a sequel mm. or a prequel or what? It is a sequel, so oh, it's okay. a, it it has nothing. The, the Home Alone Three kind of stands on its own so far. It's okay, a yeah. different family in a different part of Chicago dealing with different that's a, bad guys. That's what what I refer to as a soft reboot. Take yeah. a drink if you're yeah. playing the real take drink a game, where every yeah. time I say <laughs> soft reboot, people take a drink. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is a, a sequel to Home Alone to home alone 2 so it's following on from that it, it's kind of one of these ones where it, it's a sequel it's like the bond franchise where it doesn't really make sense that it's a sequel there's some mm. elements overlap but some that don't like kevin McAllister here is played not by macaulay culkin but by uh, mike weinberg who is clearly a lot younger than than oh kevin man Mc- so you know? the sacrilege continues so, so you've got he, someone he's called else kevin. he's called kevin he's called yeah. Ke- he's kevin oh yeah, as well as that, he doesn't have as much siblings. He has one older brother and one older sister. So, I, again, it's hard to keep track of who exactly who he's related to in that family. But I have a feeling right. his actual fam, his nuclear family were were larger in the first mm. two. And, and tell me, the as, brother is called Buzz. Oh, that he is. He is called Buzz. Yeah. Okay. Oh, right. yeah, well, and, at least yeah, at least <laughs> they yeah. did that. And the sister is called, who is probably a little bit less well known, is called Megan as well. Which oh, is, that's there, that's tallies up. One. Yeah. Yeah, so those two are in it. Um, but what what could really hurt, and this, just be prepared now, we want to sit you down and, and tell you, look, none of this is your fault, but I'm afraid that um, the McAllister parents have broken up. <gasps> what? Yeah, oh, my God. Oh, no. Is yeah, it because... Yeah. Uh, they, they keep forgetting Kevin. Kevin. Yeah, Twice. I feel like that would go. That was going to put a torn in that marriage. Oh, yeah, I um, feel like Mrs. McAllister would be going here. You're not. You're not a good dad. <laughs> Don't you, blame you. You think that was it because he never. John Heard never seemed really that interested. No, or, it's like no. going to be all, all right. right. Come on, going, let's whatever. get to let's get to Paris yeah. or Miami. Yeah. Or uh, but in this situation, and do you know the way it was implied that they were very as you, as we mentioned earlier on, they're very wealthy. We're mm. not quite sure where their money came from, etc., etc. In this film, they're they're much more like um kind of middle of the road kind of family living a okay you know fairly standard house they don't have this massive mansion and the the father uh, in, in 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 this movie has actually up and left with a hot toddy <laughs> by the name of natalie <laughs> who is extremely rich um so he's left the wife for a young uh, really really wealthy woman and she's living off in this mansion so the plot of this movie basically is um, it returns to the film's main characters, Kevin, in this case played by Mike Weinberg, and uh, his parents have separated. He lives with his mother, but his father comes along one day and says, "Look, I'd love to spend some time with you. Get you to know, get get you to know, get Natalie to 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 meet you guys and all that sort of stuff." And the kids decide to stay with their mother, but then. Um, as is his want Kevin changes his mind and goes to his father's house and his super rich girlfriend's house and they uh, he ends up getting spoiled and getting all these big treats and everything like that but at the same time we find Marv um, from the first two movies now played by French Stewart he has somehow escaped from prison or got out of prison but he is now um, now surveying the house along with his new wife and, and his psychic Vera who's paid by Missy Pyle 
who you would know actually Missy Pyle she's in lo- she's loads of movies she's kind of one of those that yeah. girl mm. actresses she's in the likes she's of Galaxy, Galaxy Quest, Quest and, yeah yeah absolutely and and Gone Girl as well but you'd recognize her as soon as as soon as you saw her so they're the they're the the, the the, the duo who are who are scoping out the house their plan in this is not to rob the house though although it is a very luxurious and massive mansion with probably jewels and everything inside their real plan and this is kind of convoluted is to kidnap a young prince because a royal family are coming to stay with natalie over the christmas period and there's a oh my the god you can't oh, i mean obviously this is an audio format and you can't see but i have my yeah. head in my I I actually can tell that you have your hands. (laughs) Groan. Yeah, so like it's very convoluted, and you're thinking, right? Well, maybe we'd be introduced to the prince family early, and it would be a kind of an interesting. Maybe we get the two kids teaming up, which might work. You know, the two kids teaming up to take on these bad guys. They didn't do any of that, and it's yeah, it's it's like it was it was a really it was the. It was really hard to watch, especially after watching the third one. I was like, okay, you know, I thought the third yeah, one was Yeah, maybe there's, yeah, yeah. Maybe there's something in this. Mm. And, like, I hate to take a shit in a kid, but my God. <laughs> like, oh, as I say, talk about taking a shit in a kid. You just wait home alone, home sweet home alone. Yeah. Max. <laughs> fucking Max. Well, we get to you, you Spoiler little alert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you little jerk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well it takes bucket loads of charm to kind of shoulder a movie like the, yeah. the, this and you know Macaulay Culkin has it and Alex D. Linz um, uh, you know not as iconic or anything like that as Kevin McAllister Mike Weinberg he, he, he doesn't he just doesn't have it to carry the movie and it's not it's not the kid's fault you know it's these things happen sometimes in casting it just it's a heavy burden to to put on a kid and especially in a movie like this but then again none of the actors are really great in this either it's all very like wink at the camera when they fall over kind of that kind of way which which isn't great uh like there's a lot of stuff in this that just doesn't work like the kidnapping plot it could work you know as an angle it might make sense but they just kind of wasted or you know they just throw it away they make no use of it as well as well as that they're 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 like spoiler alert by the way for anyone who will see these and all of these all of these are on uh, Disney by the way um, mm. so I would oh, recommend yeah, watching because they own them all yeah they do yeah um, it doesn't sound like you'd recommend watching this one though I definitely I definitely wouldn't but yeah. uh, you know I, I I went through it so you should have to as well <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, chance yeah like they, 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 they at the end like it's probably not that much of a spoiler to say they all get their family get back gets back together but it's done in such a stupid way like it comes out ends up Kevin has saved the day and the parents go let's get back together and he, it's not like he's even discussed it with his wife or, or a new fiance or do you know he's just kind of like alright I'm done with you and she's just standing there and it's give no... me all your riches before I go yeah <laughs> it's so it's so stupid and ridiculous Um, like there's not much I can say about this movie that I enjoyed um, there one thing I did enjoy in this movie, um, though there's a good character the end twist in it. <laughs> yeah, the end credits are great. Uh, there's a good character twist. I'm not going to say who or what happens, but it's a nice moment and something we haven't seen in a Home Alone movie. You know, oh, we think we trust this person, but actually they're the you know. So that worked really well. Oh, in oh is the fiance is dad? Is dad no, evil? No. Is it oh, dad? No, no, no. no? Prince. Of course, none of, it must none be of the, the fiance. Then it must be the, the fiance. fiance. I'm not, I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you. Oh. Don't make us it. watch it, please. Yeah. No, tell us. 
It's so interesting. <laughs> no, you can see from the opening credits of this movie. Do you know when, as as soon as a movie starts, you get an idea of what kind of movie it's going to be. Maybe how much money is thrown behind it, how seriously they're taking it, and you can just tell from the even the text the text they used from the opening credits you're like ah no this is going to be a pile of shit you know <laughs> you can tell it was so made for tv kind of movie um so and actually it was my least favorite of of all the um okay all the home alones the original first two and i'm trying to find out if the yeah the third one as well they were 20th century fox movies yeah so obviously when disney bought that but i think the uh home alone four that you're talking about now and then the next one they were Disney properties so I just wonder is it just like a, a step down in quality because we have this franchise we don't really care about it you know we'll make something it'll go out mm. people will watch it you know so yeah maybe it is yeah. the kind of thing that people would definitely just watch isn't it mm. put put it on the kids, kids it'll keep the kids quiet yeah and yeah hopefully they won't get any ideas about you know tying paint cans to and how yeah. are the pranks in this? <coughs> the pranks are yeah. <laughs> okay. They're not they're, no, there's not. I'm trying. I'm actually just grasping. They're trying to remember You're grasping pranks. Grasping at straws. Doesn't even remember what they yeah, are. I can't, like I can't really. Rem- there's actually a stupid prank where he, they originally, when the the two the new wet bandits say, break into um into the house, and there, there's quite a lot of technology in the bathroom, and there's a, like a power shower and you know all that sort of stuff. And he, he ends up kind of making them all slip by putting all the water on at the same time. But he floods the fucking house. Oh, <laughs> like he, destroy, he destroys this mansion um, to get them. Like, it's it, yeah, no, none of the pranks are, are yeah, very good. Do I, you I didn't, think I didn't the know. McAllister's house in the original was pristine when the folks came home? <laughs> I think Kevin would have done a bit of damage. Yeah, but this was even before the main kind of face-off. This was like the first thing he did, and there, oh, okay. for some somehow the house which has been flooded is dried again in the very next scene. So it makes no right. sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so moving on to, to five. Next, sorry. <laughs> yeah, on to five, uh, and it would be ten years before they the Home Alone um, universe was, was revisited, and this was Home Home Alone: The Holiday Heist in in twenty twelve. They dropped the number uh, from this one, <laughs> and again they dropped Kevin McAllister. Oh, uh, um, always a good sign a good... when you drop the number <laughs> yeah exactly you know the, you know how this is going to go so whatever yeah. um so again uh, they've dropped kevin McAllister from the movie um oh actually i might just say on, on the last one there's no real kind of connection to the last to the previous home alone movies like obviously it's marv and they mentioned harry uh but besides that there's no real other mention of it they do say at one stage oh remember you were left home alone or something like that there's like a little knowing wink right. at the camera and that's about it you know so it's kind of a standalone movie um but don't watch it it's a piece of shit and the <laughs> next one then so in, in in home alone the holiday heist they 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 don't bother with they don't bother with kevin McAllister in it because they realize it's probably not worth your while at this stage so instead they have the baxters and christian uh, martin is finn baxter who's our basically he's he's the stand-in for 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 kevin McAllister. and the story here is the baxter family so actually this is the first movie as well that's not set in any way in chicago yeah. which right. which is strange because you know obviously that's where john you started it chicago is always such a big part of 
John Hughes movies. So in this, they, they move the action. So the, it starts with the Baxter movie, uh, the Baxter family. They've moved from California to Maine and they're settling into this new house during the Christmas season. A very fantastic looking um, kind of older style house. Uh, Finn Baxter is a 10 year old and he, him and his older sister, Alexis, who's like a teenager. They're both like real like into their technology like the, his sister never looks up from her phone he's always on a, a games console and they don't really they kind of idolate, isolate themselves from their parents um curtis and, and Catherine, and and kind of the outside world as well you can tell finn is a bit resentful for moving as well as a most 10 year olds probably would be if, if they had to up and leave um especially such a big distance california to maine two different coasts um and he's kind of um, in the first movie, in the first Home Alone movie, Kevin was afraid of the basement because uh, he thought it was kind of haunted or something like that. But in this, Finn is actually kind of a little bit afraid of the house. There's a rumor around that it's haunted and he's kind of afraid walking around it. Um, it, it the plot device in this uh, film, I actually think is quite a clever one. Um, there's people trying to break into his house, but it's not to rob them. And it's not to receive a microchip and it's not to kidnap a prince. It's actually um, there is a painting that has been stashed in the house um, that's been hidden away in a secret vault. And um, the family who bought the house are not aware of it. Um, either presumably were the people who sold the house. And it's a hidden artwork that's worth $85 million. So oh. that's been hidden away in the house. So that's the kind of plot device. That's why they're why the bad guys are trying to break in. And um, the bad guys in this case, um, actually, they brought in kind of some heavy hitters from it. Like, you know, they brought in uh, Malcolm McDowell um, as Sinclair, who's like the main bad guy. Um, and you, you know him from like a, a Clockwork Orange and, and Caligula and stuff like that. So he's quite Great a big actor. Yeah. Yeah. And he actually he kind of fits the role really well. We have uh, Debbie Mazur in there as well. Um, who actually, strangely enough, co-starred with Joe Pesci in Goodfellas, um, strangely enough. Um, but, you know, you'd recognize her from loads of other mm. stuff. She's in actually one of your um, favorite movies, Empire Records, as well, I think. Yeah. Um, and she's in yeah. Batman Forever. In a yes. very small part, yeah. You're right. Um, and then, <coughs> so completing the trio then, we have Eddie Steeples. I hadn't seen this guy before. He plays Hughes, but uh, he plays Darnell Turner on the on the sitcom My Name Is Earl as well. So he's kind of like the safe oh, cracker. Cra cra crab Man, is that his name? Oh, I love yeah. My Name Is Earl. What a show. Yeah, never really watched it, but he kind of plays the more the bumbling teeth sort of part of the role. I can see him play kind of, that. Yeah. Yeah, Malcolm McDowell's kind of the, the brains. He's the suave. Yeah, our yeah. teeth, I'd say, yeah. Absolutely. And Debbie's kind of somewhere in between. She's not a genius, but she's not as <laughs> silly as you either. Um, so basically, um, they are trying to uh, trying to break into the house. Uh, they find a perfect opportunity when the parents head off to a Christmas party in the mountains, but they get cut off from heavy snowfall. So they're stuck in a mountain pass. The kids are left at home. So strangely enough, for being stuck at home, it's not home alone because Finn is actually in the house with his sister, oh. uh, Alexis. But his sister, who is meant to, she's a bit older, so she's meant to be bed, bed uh, sorry, babysitting him. Um, but she ends up getting trapped in a hidden room in the basement. And it's up for Finn then to kind of fight off the in intruders. So that's the kind of plot of the movie. Um is it, does that sound like a movie you'd watch 
it's not dreadful. Yeah. I mean, like the yeah. idea of, you know, the painting and all of that, that's that's good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I like that kind of idea. I don't know. I, I'm not really for too many thieves, methinks, spoils the plot. <laughs> I, I don't well, know. It's, it's two your firm number. <laughs> yeah, you, it's got to be a dynamic duo. Harry, Harry and Marv, and it's got to be two people. Yeah. I don't mind. And I think it's great that women can be thieves now as well. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. it's very progressive. So, yeah. yeah. What I'm yeah. hearing is better than uh we're on 5 now, are we? Yeah. Are we on yeah, 5? Yeah. Mm. Better than 4, but not mm. as good as 3 is what I'm hearing. Absolutely. And the <clears throat> right. So the good thing's about it, decent plot, decent bad guys. Um maybe watching Home Alone 4 just before this <laughs> maybe made this movie seem a bit better than it was. Um there there is one thing I did really like. Actually, I thought it was very clever. The painting that they were looking to steal was um, uh, was painted by Edvard Munk. Oh yeah, um, who scream. famously yeah. did the scream. You know that famous yeah. painting, uh, which is very similar to how Kevin McAllister yeah. appears yes. in the yes. Hobbit. And, and, and there's kind of a reference to it. They're like, "Oh, he he painted the scream. Look, he does this face." And they all kind of do it. And like, uh, I just thought it was a really nice kind of nice wink to the kind of viewers that wasn't over the top yeah i just thought that was a really nice touch um stuff that i didn't like about it it's not very memorable it's Mm. it's grand it's it's fine it it's not going to rob you of your time but i don't think you'll really would my five-year-old love it like uh i don't know Mm. Well, he's a big fan of the maybe. first two, you know. Killian yeah. is a big fan of Malcolm McDowell. I know he loves. <laughs> big fan, so yeah. progressive as my All child. the Lindsay Anderson movies, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Uh, that he made. So. <laughs> I, I will say, there's. I, I'd say if he hadn't, if he's seen the first two, show him three first, and then okay. if he really enjoyed that, maybe show him this one. And if you ask to see Home Alone 4, maybe leave him at Home Alone. Um, but <laughs> one, thing, one thing I will say about this is, uh, again, it comes down to Kevin McAllister. And that's what makes you realize how important having someone like Macaulay Culkin at the center mm. of this is. Because the mm. character plays him, he's a better actor, definitely, than the the, the, the child in the, in the fourth movie. Um, but he's not very likable. Like mm. Kevin McAllister always kind of took time to get out and know people have it he had an interest in other people you know you even see those scenes where he kind of helps um helps those older kind of stranger characters kind of sort out their life problems in this finn isn't really interested in anything except for his video games <coughs> you know all he wants to do is sit and play video games and it's hard to really get on the side you know mm. it's he's not a very sympathetic character so that's where i think it really really fell down and um, if they had made him learn his lesson a bit more by the end yeah. they'd be like oh i'm gonna embrace family and get to know people he does that slightly but not enough to kind of fully redeem him i would have said so yeah it's a decent movie but it's certainly nothing to uh so, to write home about well i want to take this opportunity to say ross Fair play. I mean, Fair play to you. what you've yeah. what you've done there is you've laid down your time and your entertainment value or whatever to watch all these movies, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm better informed now about uh, about them, and I will certainly be giving Home Alone four. Is that the holiday heist? Is that what? No, that that's, the that's, 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 that's the fifth. That's the fifth one. one. Whatever Home Alone four is called, uh, home home from Home Alone. Take back the house or something. Take back, <laughs> Take back the house. <laughs> I am I'm going to give that a wide berth so thank you and Mm. on behalf of all the listeners Ross Leahy 
We Take salute it. you. We salute you. We do. We do. Mm. When people say time is a gift, people are right. <laughs> people are so right in saying that. Well, Malcolm McDowell says the time <coughs> is the fire in which we burn. He says that in Star Trek Generations. He's always been so grim, that chap. Yeah, he has. Where are we, Clarence? It it looks like some dingy back street in the middle of winter. That's right, Sinead. It's Christmas Eve and I've brought you here so you can see what became of your other podcast host if the real take had never been born. You mean... That's right. While Ross is host of one of the biggest film podcasts in the world... Is that pathetic heap of rags wearing headphones and talking into a banana? Yes, that's Nile. Hey there, film fans, and welcome back to another episode of Le Monde du Cinéma, the podcast for fans of French New Wave Cinema by a fan of French New Wave Cinema. Later on in the podcast, we'll be continuing our retrospective on Francois Truffaut and looking back at 1975's L'Histoire d'Adelaide Ditch, L'Agent de Poche from 1976, 1977's L'Homme qui amait les femmes, and La Chambre Verte from 1978. And we'll also be asking, where is the best place to get a black turtleneck, and is it better paired with a beret, or perhaps a fine pipe? The Nile I knew was full of life and laughter. He liked Marvel movies and rating films as all right. What happened? Well, without the real take and the influence of you and Ross, Nile went further and further into examining the films of Nouvelle Vague. It started innocently enough. He bought the Criterion collection of Jules Légime, and before he knew it, here he was, desolate living on the streets and reviewing films for spare change in order to get enough cash for his next Blu-ray. And of course the saddest thing is he doesn't even own a Blu-ray player. This is terrible. My next guest uh, on the next episode is Jean-Luc Godard who will be here talking about his 1960 masterpiece A Bout de Souffle around the back of McDonald's by the bins. I've seen enough Clarence! Help me, Clarence! Get me back! Get me back! I don't care what happens to me. I don't care how many downloads we have. Just get me back to my co-host, Ross and Niall. Help me, Clarence! Please! Please! I want the real take to live again! I want the real take to live again! I want the real take to live again! Please, God, let the real take live again! Okay, so uh, we're going from the holiday heist, which was kind of getting like a half thumbs up, half thumbs down to Home Sweet Home Alone, which I think is going to get a big, massive thumbs down from all of us. Spoiler alert. Um, who wants to go first with this? Because <laughs> Niall, I um, think we need to get in here. Yeah, I mean, I I have to say I was optimistic going into this mm-hmm. um, before I watched it. I mean, I thought, yeah, I mean, why not? It it's a Disney Plus exclusive, you know. Um, I I had a look back actually, and it seems like all of the others were Twentieth Century Fox. So when Disney um, bought 
20th Century Fox, they got the rights to the Home Alone. So um, obviously 20th Century Fox, they, they were putting less and less money into the franchise. So this looked like it, they were putting more money into it. They had um, a good cast uh, involved. Ashling B is in there. Uh, Rob, uh, what's his name? Someone Delaney. Have it there. Rob Delaney, Delaney yeah. yeah. Um, and other other actors that you would recognise. Um, and, you know, this was an update uh, to it. Um, basically keeping, I guess, the basic storyline um, about a child left behind in his house who has to defend his home from would-be burglars. But by God, were my optimism, optimistic hopes trampled on by mm. this film. I mean, it really... I mean, I joke about the fact that uh, I think Kevin McAllister is a sociopath in the making, you know, in the first <laughs> film. But what we have here is an actual sociopath. <laughs> Played by Arch, Archie Yates, who people might know from Jojo Rabbit, and he was very good in that film. Yeah, and he plays a ten-year-old character called Max, a bit of a smart aleck, a bit spoiled. Um, and uh, the the basic premise of this is, and I'll be honest with you, I have tried the best to erase it from my memory after watching it, <laughs> so you'll have to forgive me. Um, his Max's home is invaded by a married couple played by Ellie Kemper, who's uh, an actor who I'm very fond of. She would have been in The Office and you would have seen her in other stuff. Um, Unbreakable, I think Unbreakable Timmy Smith. Timmy Smith yeah. yeah. Mm. And Rob Delaney, as you say, who is also a very affable, likeable actor. And I think that's maybe the problem with this film yeah. is that they they try to make the the home invaders... They try to give too much backstory to it, if mm. you like, and they'll kind of explain it. So they are a couple who are under a lot of financial stress because uh, Rob Delaney's character, Jeff, has lost his job um, and uh, they have to sell their house. They have kids themselves. Um, he is, um, he's got a, a very obnoxious brother, a show-off brother, and um, they arrive for the Christmas and they make the, the couple feel even worse about their situation. Um, and it turns out that they also have in their uh, they, they open their house for people to come along and uh, and view it because they're selling it. And while there, Max, who has been taken along by his mother, sees a collection of old dolls that belong to Rob Delaney's character's mother. Um, and we later find out that this is a rare doll and it's worth two hundred thousand dollars and it disappears. And Jeff believes that Max has stolen it because he's kind of, he's he was very much interested in it when he saw it. Um, and because of kind of movie logic, uh, that if you if it was the real world, it would completely fall apart. <laughs> you know, um, Jeff and Pam decide that they're going to break into Max's house, get the doll back. And uh, as Max is in the house by himself... He believes that they're there to try and kidnap him. So he sets, of course, a bunch of booby traps, very elaborate and um, with throwbacks to the original. Um, and one thing I would say about it, I did think that there were some um, imaginative new kind of pranks, as we call them, uh, in this, uh, you know, unlike maybe some of the other sequels. Uh, this is the classic kind of, I mean, Home Alone really is a cartoon, I think. Yeah. And Harry and Marv are, they're like Wile E. Coyote. Yeah. And so you don't mind really, although I kind of pretend I do, you don't mind if they get smacked in the head with a with a paint mm. can. You don't mind if they get a, a, a red hot iron in their face or whatever. 
Um, but I never really want to see the backstory, the tragic backstory of Wiley Coyote. No, yeah, I don't want yeah. to find out why he needs to have. All I need to know is he is trying to get the Roadrunner and that's it. And you and, see, don't forget as well, in, in the first Home Alone, like they are dickheads, like they trash stuff, they yeah. flood people's houses, you know. They're not doing it to save their family's no, house. No, like they're know. just, they're, they're doing mindless vandalism as well, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not really going to get further into the plot than this because it's not worth it, no. really. Um, I will say that it has... I do, it has a, an ending where you just kind of go, oh my, you put your head yeah. in your hands and go, stupid. Um, this was written, I think, by the actor who plays Max's mother. Did anybody come across this in their research? It's, it's... Ellie Kemper. No, no, no. no. Um, oh, sorry, Max. Yeah. No, no, no. The actual, the actual mother of the actor. Oh, Archie. sorry. Yeah, yeah I know it's Saturday Night Live guys basically wrote this. So it's okay. like the talented okay. writers of Saturday Night Live oh, well, came maybe, together apparently to write this. Maybe it's the uh, director then, uh, but she definitely had something to do with it. And like I say, he was very good in Jojo Rabbit. He is a horrible character yeah. in this. Horrible. Um, I'll tell you now, it's really... uh, writers uh, Mickey Day and Streeter Sedell. Um, that's who wrote okay, the script. Okay, and Mickey Day is on SNL and he's very funny. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Street Well, there's yeah. lots of um, uh, Keenan Thompson's in this movie yeah. as well. Who's uh, Keenan and Kel? Uh, Saturday Night Live right. Yeah. yeah, alumni as well. There is know. some connect. Oh, do you know what? I think she's the casting director. Oh, go figure. <laughs> <laughs> but I do not. I don't think that it's his fault. I think it's the. I think what this is is a a movie from the point of view of middle-aged people mm. <laughs> they're mm. going like they're going i can't really i can't i hate my children i can't yeah i can't empathize with them <laughs> um and so i'm gonna write it from the point of view of the the home invaders in this case the couple who you know you do kind of feel for them and but it doesn't at the end of the day it doesn't say anything about you know oh, they have to sell, sell their house and it's tragic and it's terrible and you feel for them you don't you, you end up coming away from this just feeling they shouldn't have made it basically yeah and you know it's it's uh, as you say it is exactly it uh, you shouldn't they shouldn't have made it and like you Noel, i went into this going you know oh, another remake and particularly when people remake timeless classics <laughs> i thought this you know but I, when i saw the trailer i thought okay and i saw the cast and i went okay this looks like it could kind of be good I got the kids round, <laughs> got my children round to watch this and you as well. Said, you will watch this, children. You will, you watch, will watch it. And my five-year-old said, "Where's Kevin? Why is Kevin not in this movie? This is stupid. Where's the bad guys? Which... <laughs> Why is he not hitting bad guys in the face?" It look, took look, too Killian, long. Look, look, it's Buzz. There's Buzz. Look. Yeah, yeah. There's a, a tenuous connection to the first film. No, I, he, I lost him. I lost him at the right. first few minutes. Do you know what it is? It's too convoluted straight away, right? If you think back to the first one, right? We land straight away in the busy McAllister house. Uh, Harvey or Harry is there uh, as the policeman scoping out the place, sussing it all out. And you're told the scenario instantly in this there's you know the couple as you say there's their financial woes there's max is going to tokyo and his family and there's all this kind of stuff going on so it's straight away you're not invested in it and again 
as you rightly say, uh, Niall, Max is a little dickhead that you just want to kill. And he's just like, he's really awful to his mom. Like, whatever about Kevin being a little bit brattish, you know, at the end of the day, I always feel like I'm on Kevin's side. I always feel like the, the parents were in the wrong. Um, they were too frustrated with him and cast him aside and, you know, in the first movie. But in this, he is just a dickhead. Like, I think part of the problem with that um, is the fact that that um yeah the kid's bratty and unlikable but also for the whole movie pretty much until near the ending moments you think he also stole something va- really valuable yeah that's right yeah you're the not bad sure guy. Yeah, yeah yeah and, and, and he, also he's not the main star of the movie either which is i mean was for that a was, movie. yeah but was that the pitch then was that the, the pitch from the snl guys going we're gonna do home alone but it's from the point of view of the wet bandits and mm. the the kid is is a shit maybe and, yeah. Like, I mean, I kind of liked the idea that it was a husband and wife crook situation, but I kind mm. of, like you say... Well, you get that at Home Alone. You can get that at yeah, Home Alone yeah. 4. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. But no, I would have preferred if they were really, like, bad. Do you know what I mean? I don't yeah. want them to be a sweet couple that have their house is going to be taken from them. I mean... It's so fun watching them getting hurt. Like, Oh, it's really not. Bad. You just feel bad for them. Yeah, You it, feel it really it's so... It like, and, like, you were talking about the, the traps that he sets. Like, it's one... I was... It had my hand in my my face and my hands i was just going i cannot watch this lovely couple get mm. hit in the face with like flour which is like this nod to the and sugar and fucking you, shit like that. do you think that there were anybody because you know we're all now we're older obviously and we're watching these these movies and ross is watching more of them than me and you uh <laughs> But uh, do you think there was anybody back in 1990 when the original Home Alone came out and went to, well, I don't, this guy's a little uh, little tearaway, you know, and I don't want to see these adults getting hurt by this guy. Or do you think it's just that this one, by humanising the quote-unquote bad guys, yeah. it's, it's, it's gone and it's missed the point, really? Yeah, I think the second point, because I remember distinctly watching home alone with my mom and dad and them absolutely losing their shit laughing yeah like yeah. Mm. so you know and like that you say you know it is this kind of cartoonish kind of thing i mean is it a case that maybe too much time has passed in terms of trying to make movies like this anymore i mean like you know we've we've seen so much you know <laughs> in 2021 like to go back to that kind of cartoon innocence where it's just kind of comical violence you know i don't know if that really necessarily works today and like you say the couple's too nice so it definitely doesn't mm. work i mean mm. at one point a character breaks the fourth wall and quips i don't know why they're always trying to remake the classics they're never as good as the original mm. <laughs> i mean oh, they, like it's ridiculous the nods and the winks and the yeah, yeah. It, you know, some of those are actually some of those are you can tell they're more adult they're more for the adults yeah. like, so a lot of yeah. humor i find is 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 more for i couldn't imagine like i i actually found a couple of the jokes and quite funny but i would imagine if i was a child watching it i wouldn't really no. take any notice of a lot of them no, it's quite Killian al- was like al- furious with this movie <laughs> yeah yeah i understand that and, and also you know it's a simple misunderstanding that could be cleared up in two seconds do you have our creepy doll oh no sorry to bother you also are you home alone seriously we need to you know call the police like i mean it, it's just daft you know the fact that um 
they don't try and communicate the fact that hey do you have yeah. a doll like you know it's yeah. just stupid you i know? don't mind that because I, I i give a lot of leeway to movies just because a, a lot of movies could be like you could go rosebud it's my sled at the start of season <laughs> thing. And oh no don't you know, be comparing you know. rosebud no 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 and this that's the one and only time this film would be compared to scissors of game but you know you do kind of go well it's movie logic we'll we'll let that slide but there's there's bigger problems here than mm. that, you know, than, than oh, poking yeah. holes in it. And um, it's a real shame because, like I say, there's a huge amount of talent uh, on display there, like uh, Ellie Kemper, Rob Delaney and Ashling B, uh, who, as you say, is for some reason, maybe is the Irish accent not, was it not believable that she I, would I, be I, married I to somebody? I just don't know. Like, I mean, like, I'm not against the fact that she's as in, you know, the whole Irish British thing. It's nothing to do with yeah. that. It's just like, why are you putting on an accent at all? Is just it because be he has a, is yeah, Arch, he is a, Archie Yates has, a, has an English yeah, accent? Yeah, he's Oh, okay, accent. naturally. The story, oh, okay. the story is they moved from London. So oh, okay. I, I think, like, you could easily have an Irish mother in London moving to America. But yeah, Americans course, are going to yeah, be yeah. like, Americans are going to be like, what? <laughs> I don't yeah. understand this. How could that be their mother? You know, so they probably yeah. just said to make it simpler. Um, I think so, she did an okay British accent though. I thought it was fine. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I, yeah. I think no I think uh, Sinead is just going, come on, represent, represent for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with her not being Irish in this movie. Just oh yeah, no, I was just kind of. It's just a bit distracting and odd. I was just like, I don't really get that. It's not the whole Irish British thing at all, really. Mm, it's just mm. more so that I just didn't see the point of that. Um, what did we think? Because this is back in Chicago. It's back at Christmas time. It's the same universe as the original because Kevin McCallum is mentioned as in he's the CEO of McAllister Home Security and <laughs> uh, we have Buzz who's the brother Devin Ray Trey I think yeah. uh, who, who pops up here you know and he he hates the sound of a child being left alone he will not stand for that you know there we go um, that's that's the kind of police you want yeah not eating donuts and wrapping Christmas no, presents no so what did we think of that I mean was it I mean, I can see why they did it mm-hmm. to kind of have some, as we say, tenuous link to to a much better movie. But that that's the problem, isn't it? You yeah. should never remind... If your movie is not good, you should never remind people of a better movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's kind of complete fan service. And I always have this, including in when they do it in Star Wars and stuff, where in the moment you're like, oh my God, it's Han Solo, or oh my God, you know. And I got that when Fred Bulls first came on screen. I was like, oh, this is so cool. But then afterwards I was like, that was not cool. That yeah. was so pointless. <laughs> yeah. you know, one thing I did like, though, was it was implied that Kevin was pulling pranks on Buzz all the time, which was kind of a nice that the tables had turned somewhat, you know? Yeah, right. Um, but, but we were talking a lot of negativity. Is there anything that you guys liked about the movie? Not one thing. Really? <laughs> not one fucking I, thing. I thought I like. some, of, some of the quote-unquote pranks were clever, I thought. No, oh. nobody else. No. Yeah, I okay. actually, you know, I didn't mind this movie too much. I, I, I felt really. But well, you, the, in the, fairness, the, you, you had you had set your yeah. book before yeah. this. That's true. <laughs> um, but again, you can't get away from how it's just, uh, just it's tainted from the get go because the um, the whole plot element of having the sympathetic bad guys and having mm. them as the like lead characters it's just going to ruin the movie because it, it's not going to make any sense you know so i yeah. think they had it it was ruined from day one and even the parts i enjoyed of it in the end it left a bad taste in my mouth because it was like people i was kind of cheering for getting hurt you know and it meant yeah. that, you know there wasn't the same celebratory thing when you saw Mar- yeah. do you harry think i mean harry and marv were 
they were bad guys, but they were likable. Yes, bad guys, you yes. know, like I would totally had, hang yeah. out with them and totally yeah. take part in a lot of their exploits. You know what I mean? And um, <laughs> as much as we've kind of said that these movies really <clears throat> hang on how good the child performer at the centre of it is, yeah, um, you know you only have to look at the one with French Stewart playing Marv and it's not really the same mm. you no, know it's it's no, no, it no. doesn't really work and then the one with Malcolm McDowell maybe a bit more because he's just a kind of better caliber of actor maybe um but uh yeah so in those movies you've got bad guys but they are charismatic bad guys yeah are we now at a point where and I think specifically Disney seem to be doing this where every bad guy needs to be redeemed or needs to be, yeah. you need to get the back, like Cruella now just can't be wanting to make a fur coat out of, out of dogs. It's all she woke, isn't it? Be. It's too woke. The whole lot of <laughs> I it I don't is. think that's what he was saying. No. Snow, <laughs> Snowflake well, generation, they need, they need, I, I, oh, they need a, like a sympathetic bad guy. I, I hear think what you're saying. In, I think in some stories that um, having well-rounded characters with, with motivations yeah. and, you know, not, not things not being in black and white and, you know, areas of grey and understanding is good in a lot of movies but in a kid's car which is basically a live action cartoon mm. it's it's okay to be black and white you know yeah. it's okay yeah. to make it a very yeah. simple story i think yeah. yeah i think now i haven't seen cruella i did again look at the trailer of that and and, and really wanted to see that and liked the idea of oh well what is cruella's backstory mm. you know there's some villains that you're kind of like yeah give them a backstory but with this they're not villains they're not villains at all. They're a lovely, sweet couple who want their fucking doll back. That's yeah. all it is, you know? And that's why it doesn't work at all, you know? Had it been that they just wanted to steal the doll just cause, well, then maybe that would have worked a little bit better. I don't know. But, in, you know, as I say, at or the start even, of this... Yeah, or even like the twist when you find out that he hadn't he hadn't stolen yeah. it at the end. If it was more kind of ambiguous as yes. to why they were breaking in, and you didn't, you know, you could have, you could have watched all of this stuff happening, and they're trying to break into this house to get the doll, and all of these, this stuff is happening to them, and then at the end you find out it's because of all, you know, yes. Then you see kind of the backstory and what have you towards the end, and then it's like, well, let's all have Christmas dinner and we're all friends now. Yeah, I think that would have worked actually way better. Yeah, uh, like yeah. Le- you know, and I think. Um, yeah, the whole start of it of like why they were in their open house and all that. That was, yeah, it was just too long. And I, I felt the jokes, the so-called jokes there, like let's call him Frankenstein and let's fat shame Rob Delaney a little bit. It was just like, mm-hmm. oh, come on. You know, is this what the jokes that we're, 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 we're going for here? But I like, I as I said, you know, at the very start of this, I was actually really excited to see it. I was like, okay, I love Home Alone, but I think this has a lot of promise. Very much looking forward to it. Great cast. The trailer looked good. And literally five minutes, ten minutes in, I was like, I want to kill this film. Like, I want to stamp on it. I want to break all of the reels so that they're never seen again. Oh. I feel you the feeling I got after watching this movie. I'm not sure if you ever ever saw um, a movie that came out uh, in 2010, a Canadian-American horror movie. Um, and it was called The Tortured. Um, I wouldn't recommend watching it, but it had Jesse Metcalf. Metcalf, maybe? he was in Desperate Housewives and that but it's basically a movie where they, their son is kidnapped and murdered and they, they capture who they think is the murderer and it's one of those movies that they made a lot of back in the day where it was just like 
basically torturing someone for a while and that was the movie like saw or hostel or something like that so in the movie they're torturing this guy for ages and ages and ages and then he eventually dies or something like that and then they find out it was actually the wrong guy they oh. got a guy who was for tax evasion and not saying that you enjoyed the, like it was a terrible movie first of all but then it just like that could, how i felt after watching that movie was how i felt after watching home sweet home alone mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, no, no. I mean, there is a. I think I recommended it on last year's Christmas podcast. A kind of a, it's a, it's a horror slasher movie, um, about a home invasion with a little kid. I can't remember for the life of me the name of it. Um, uh, you'd have to you'd have to go back, fans, and yes. listen to last year's podcast, <laughs> which is really good. I think it's like uh, you better watch out. I think that's what it's called. Um, and it's a very low budget home invasion film. You've got the Macaulay Culkin character, if you like, and his uh, babysitter. And then there's a uh, there's kind of stuff about about people trying to invade the house. And it's it's a great, it's a really good film. It's dark. It's certainly not for kids. But mm. I'd much rather watch that than <laughs> than oh, this this alone. movie again. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay, just before we move on to the next bit, I'm just going to quickly save what we have i want i just wanted to ask where ross thought that went in the in the pantheon then because it sounded like of oh, all yeah. of us you you enjoyed it more yeah yeah it's uh i think in order of how they go i put them in this order home alone one is first yeah. home alone two is second home alone three is third then Oh, it's a kind of a toss-up between, um, between uh, the holiday heist and this. But I will say because um, it's kind of a, I'd give them. I haven't seen holiday heist, and I'm going put that first. Put that first. (laughs) Uh, Because. Like even though the holiday- people need to know, Ross. If we don't rank things in order of how good they are, people won't have any idea of how good they are. Both of the Kevin McAllister um, character stand-ins are, are unlikable. Um, there's a fundamental flaw in the plot in the central plot of Home Sweet Home Alone, but there is a few laughs in it. You know what? Actually, I'm going to I'm going to give the holiday heist next, then Home Sweet Home Alone, and then at the very very bottom of the list <laughs> is uh, Home Alone Four: Taking Back the House. <laughs> In front of my laptop. Okay, let me check. There's no such podcast as hardcore action with host La- Ross Leahy. Why, it's a Christmas miracle! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas, you old microphone! Merry Christmas, laptop! Merry Christmas, you wonderful old dishwasher that makes noise every time we record an episode! We did it, Sinead, we did it! Me and Niall told a few people that the podcast was in trouble and they scattered all over town downloading it. They didn't ask any questions, just said, if Sinead is in trouble, count on me. You've never seen anything like it. Oh, just a minute. Now, quiet, Ross. Quiet. Quiet. Now, this is a telegram from Austin, Texas. Mr. Leahy cables that you need downloads. Stop. My office instructed to advance you up to 25,000. Stop. Hee-haw and Merry Christmas, Joe Rogan. Well, I never. That deserves a toast. Good idea. Um, a toast. Um, I happen to have um, uh, oh, uh, 
I have coffee <laughs> here. To my podcast host Sinead, the richest podcast host in town. It's probably all of the embezzlement. Sinead! Sinead! Look, we have another review on Apple Podcasts from Clarence1946. Dear Sinead, remember no podcast is a failure that has friends. Thanks for the wings. Love, Clarence. I heard that every time someone downloads a podcast, an angel gets its wings. Sweet, simple Ross. That's right. That's right. a boy, Clarence. So, you see, in the end, the world was a better place for having the real take in it. And every time that she felt downhearted or discouraged, Sinead would remember the important lesson that she had learned. That a podcast for film fans, by film fans, can make a difference. Even if it just means that Ross didn't get to meet Mel Gibson. So, Merry Christmas to all of you at home, and remember, it's a wonderful podcast. The episode is great, they cried, their eyes glowing. Ross popped a cork, champagne was soon flowing. Of course it's great, said Niall, taking a break. The best film podcast around has to be the real take. Merry Christmas film fans and thank you all so much for your great support this year. We hope to bring more film talk and shenanigans in 2022. Bye! See you at the movies next year. Merry Christmas. It's Christmas! (laughs) (laughs) Sit down and grab a glass. Sinead Ross and Niall have made a podcast. It's the real take breaking it down. Having fun and talking movies. Da 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 da, talking movies. You have been listening to the Real Take, presented by Sinead Brassel, Ross Leahy, and Niall O'Brien. Our music was provided by actor, artist, and musician Will Guppy. You can find him on Instagram at will.guppy. And you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Real Take Podcast. If you would like to contact us to tell us how fantastic we are, you can reach us at TheRealTakePodcast at gmail.com. See you at the movies. <laughs>